Today we celebrate the Holy and Divine Liturgy on the fourth Sunday of the Blessed Coptic Month of Tunes. And we just heard the magnificent and majestic story from the Gospel according to St. Luke chapter 7 verses 36 through 50 about the sinful woman who came to our Lord Jesus Christ as he was dining in the house of Simon the Pharisee. And when she came to our Savior, she did not utter a single word. But instead, as St. Luke teaches us, she stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. And what these words describe, dear brothers and sisters, is a woman who was formerly sinful, worshiping our Savior at his feet. And as I meditated on this wonderful gospel reading, I couldn't help but be moved by the beautiful picture that St. Luke paints in which our Savior receives the repentance, the worship, and the adoration of this formerly sinful woman at his feet. What must this woman have felt at this moment? What must have been in her heart? What did she see at the feet of Christ? And it made me wonder about the significance of this woman's worship being directed specifically to our Savior's feet. Let us speak about the feet of Christ in only three points. First, as we gaze at that blessed woman adoring the feet of Christ with the eyes of our souls, let us see and recognize our Lord's feet as a representation of his incarnation. Let us call to mind the fact that those feet of our Lord, which the woman in the gospel washed with her tears and dried with her hair and anointed with the expensive fragrant oil, these feet were made of real flesh and blood. And these feet actually walked upon the earth. In other words, dear brothers and sisters, our Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Holy Trinity, did not simply assume the highest things in man. He didn't just take our mind, our brain, our intellect, but rather he took upon himself that which is lowest in man, those two feet by which he walked upon the earth. The Son of God assumed our full humanity. Those feet that the woman kissed in today's gospel, those feet started out as baby feet. And it took some time for the Son of God to learn how to use them for walking. And this is a very important point to remember because oftentimes we think that the incarnation of our Savior happened in an instant, in a blink of an eye. But the reality is that the incarnation was a process that took years to complete because Christ did not simply assume our human nature. He assumed the entire human experience except for sin. What does this mean? It means in simple terms 
that the only begotten Son of God the Father watched St. Mary and St. Joseph closely as they walked around the house. And he gradually learned how to walk from them. It was in that house in Nazareth of Galilee that the creator of the universe took his first step as a baby. Imagine that, dear brothers and sisters. Imagine this wonderful reality of the incarnation, the creator of the universe, who sustains and holds all things in the palm of his hand, took his first baby step. This is what it means when we say he assumed the entire human experience, the entire process of human growth. And what was the result of this process? The result is that God, who cannot be seen, was seen with human eyes, not just as a fully grown male, but also as a baby, as an infant, as a child, and yes, as a teenager. God, who cannot be grasped, was touched, and not just by the righteous, but also by the sinners, as we see in today's gospel, and by those who were considered to be unclean under the law, as we heard last night in the gospel reading. God, who cannot be described in words, was observed and described by people, first as a prophet, and then as the son of David, and then as Lord and God. And all of this was made possible through the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for this reason, when we gaze upon the feet of Christ this morning, we remember that he assumed our entire human nature, our entire human existence in his incarnation. Second, let us meditate on the fact that we find salvation at the feet of Christ. This was certainly the case with the sinful woman in today's gospel. Without even uttering a word, she entered into the presence of God and fell at his feet to worship and adore him. It was at his feet that she wept for her many sins and offered repentance. It was also at his feet that she heard our Savior's beautiful and tender words, Your sins are forgiven and later on your faith has saved you. In other words, this sinful woman received salvation at the feet of Christ. Why do you think, dear brothers and sisters, this woman received salvation specifically at the feet of Christ? I believe that it was because she adorned what was least in him. In other words, she fully believed in him as God, but she nonetheless adored the most humble part of him. Our Savior Jesus Christ, when he saw her repentance and felt her tears on that most humble part of his body, commended her for her faith and forgave her many sins. She is not the only woman in the gospel to adore the lowliest part of Christ. In a most miraculous way, the readings of the Holy Church point us 
to the story of another woman who had a similar experience. Last night, in the evening raising of incense, we read from the Gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 9, which described for us a woman who suffered from a flow of blood for 12 years. And let me read verses 20 through 22 for you from this chapter. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, for she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I shall be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. What do we observe in these verses? We observe that this woman from last night's gospel reading essentially does the same thing as the woman in today's gospel reading. We are told that she came to Christ from behind, which is what the woman in today's gospel did. And not only that, but did you catch what she touched? We are told that she touched the fringe of the hem of Christ's garment. The hem of the garment is that part that is at the very bottom of our garment or our vestment. It's the part that touches the ground sometimes. It's the least part of the garment. And what this means is that the woman with the issue of blood came up behind Christ. She stooped down very low and she touched the lowest part of his garment in order to be healed. She approached what was lowest in Christ, just as the woman in today's gospel did the very same thing. And even before the stories of these two women in the gospel, we have many other stories in the Old Testament about people receiving salvation at the feet of the king. One striking example is the heroine Esther, in the Old Testament, who was the Jewish queen, the Jewish wife of the Persian king Xerxes. Xerxes, if you remember, was king of the Persian Empire in the 5th century BC. And he was the son of the great Persian king Darius or Darius the Great. And you remember that during her time, a wicked man, a Macedonian by the name of Haman or Amon in the Septuagint, he devised a plot to essentially exterminate all of the Jews within the Persian Empire. And in chapter 8 of the book of Esther, we read that in order to save her people, Esther fell at the feet of the king and entreated him to give salvation to her people. And the king freely gave it. It was not unlike all of the stories that we encounter in the Holy Gospel in which people fall down at the feet of Christ the King in order to receive forgiveness of sins, healing of physical and spiritual diseases, and instruction in the commandments of God. Dear brothers and sisters, bowing down low at the feet of the King and entreating him for salvation. This must be our posture, our continual posture throughout our lives. We must always live our lives considering that we are bowing low at the feet of Christ. 
The Holy Prophet King David expressed this beautifully in the 131st Psalm in which he sang, Let us enter into his tabernacles, let us worship at the place where his feet stood. And these words are like the beautiful bells that ring loudly in Orthodox Christian countries, beckoning the faithful to come to church. Our lives must be lived in the tabernacles of God, i.e. the church. And our focus must always be on those feet, those feet of Christ, because that is where salvation happens. Brothers and sisters, we must be convinced of this. Salvation comes to us when we bow low before the feet of Christ, when we focus on his abject humility and his love for us. And no other place was this more obvious than in Golgotha, outside the gates of Jerusalem, on a fateful Friday in the year 33 or so. At that time when our Lord was crucified for us, his precious feet which he used to come to us and serve us, were pierced by the nails of our sins, our rebellion, and our disobedience. Those feet that took him from Nazareth to the Jordan in order to be baptized for us, those feet that took him into the wilderness to battle Satan on our behalf, those feet that ascended the mountain from which he would deliver the Sermon on the Mount, those feet that took him from Judea to Samaria to meet the Samaritan woman, and those feet that he used to travel from place to place in order to serve all of mankind, those feet were pierced by the sharp nails of our sinfulness. And everyone who stood at the foot of the cross and repented and believed in him like the right-hand thief and the Roman centurion, was saved. For this reason, it is second nature, or it should be second nature for us Orthodox Christians to venerate and to kiss the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. Anyone who has just an ounce of love for Christ will venerate and spontaneously kiss his feet in their icons and in their crucifixion scenes because Orthodox Christians have been living with this principle for more than 2,000 years. We kiss what we love. And because we love Christ, because we love Him crucified, we kiss His feet. Third and finally, dear brothers and sisters, let us meditate on the victorious feet of Christ. Throughout the Holy Scripture, we find many references to the enemies of God being subdued beneath the feet of Christ. One such reference is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, in which the Holy Apostle Paul wrote, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Our Father among the saints, St. John Chrysostomus, teaches us that when the Holy Scripture says that Christ will subject all of his enemies under his feet, it is to remind us that he will be absolutely victorious over all of his enemies in the end. And one might think that there is a contradiction here, because on the one hand, as we said, the feet of Christ 
are the lowliest part of him that represent his incarnation and his humility. But on the other hand, we find all of the enemies of Christ subjected and subjugated beneath his feet. And it may seem like a contradiction between this humility and this victory, but in reality, there is no contradiction because Christ subjugated all of his enemies by his humility. The great weapon of our Lord Jesus Christ was not his great power as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He did not use that when he came to us and ministered to us. But instead, he used humility to overcome the devil. That was the great deception, so to speak, in which the deceiver, the devil himself, was fooled. Because when Christ came and accepted to be born of a lowly virgin, a powerless Jewish girl, when he accepted to live in humble circumstances, learning carpentry from his adoptive father, St. Joseph, when he lived a simple life, not even owning his own house and traveling from place to place, relying on others for their support, and when he accepted to die on the cross a most humiliating death, he did all of this in humility. And Satan could not imagine that the Lord of Lords and the God of Gods could do this. And that is why, so to speak, some of the fathers teach us that Christ was not even on the radar of Satan until a certain point, because Satan, because of his pride and his arrogance, could not even imagine that the Son of God would accept to be incarnate and have human feet and have these lowly feet to walk upon the earth. So there is no contradiction, dear brothers and sisters. Christ's victory and the victory of the gospel comes through humility. And that is why shortly before our Lord Jesus Christ was crucified, you remember on Great Thursday, he called all of his disciples to himself and he stooped down low, he picked up the towel and he washed their feet. And he said to them, unless you accept that I wash your feet, you have no part in me. He washed their feet on Great Thursday. And then after the day of Pentecost, those feet went to the four corners of the earth and preached the gospel and converted the world, converted the entire Roman Empire and beyond to Christianity. This was the victory of the apostles, and it started with an act of humility at their feet. And so today we remember, dear brothers and sisters, that the feet of Christ, that lowly part of him, represents the incarnation, the reality of the incarnation. We remember that we receive salvation at his feet. And finally, we remember that although this is the lowliest part of him, this is the part that will be victorious for all eternity because it was through his humility that he overcame all of his enemies and all of our enemies, sin, the devil, and death. May God grant us throughout our lives to continually bow low and to worship, adore, and kiss his fiend. To him be all glory with his all-holy Father and the all-holy and life-giving Spirit, now and forever and unto the age of all ages. Amen.